All right, people, I'm going to make this quick, but for the next six weeks or so, starting February 1st, I'm putting all my show outlines up for auction. I've mentioned before that I have a very strict routine for preparing for and recording THC episodes, and part of that process, 95% of the time going back many years, has been waking up early on the days I record and compiling my notes into a roughly four to six page outline that I print out and conduct the interviews from as a template. I write in the margins, I cross stuff out as we go along, I jot things down I don't want to forget, and I usually have a good deal of material in these outlines that never even makes it to air. When a show is done, I put a little staple up in the corner and throw them in a filing cabinet. Well, it's no secret I'm trying to move, and what better time to try to collect a little extra cash and offload a box of stuff I've been storing that I don't need. So I'm signing, listing, and auctioning off all the outlines I have to any listeners who might be interested in that kind of thing. Each one is totally unique with its own markings, coffee stains, beer spills, printing imperfections, typos, and maybe even doodles in some cases that were never really supposed to be seen by anyone else, but I guess that's no big deal. I know I've personally bought signed scripts before, and some of my most prized possessions are band set lists I nabbed at the end of concerts. So maybe this is something like that for podcasts? If you're into it, they will be listed at ebay.com. Yeah, I know. ebay.com slash USR slash chats. The link is at the top of the show notes as well, but it's ebay.com slash USR slash chats. And of course, I'll post the links across all the social media dystopias I have an unfortunate presence in. Again, the first batch of outlines will go up February 1st and be listed for 10 days. And I'm going to continue to put up new batches as time permits, when and where I can. And I hope to have the whole thing completed in about six to eight weeks or so. I guess I'm just out when I'm out, but if there's a specific one you might want, keep dipping in to see what's been added. There's a good chance I haven't gotten it listed yet, and a real chance I don't even have it for one reason or another. But I do have most, so just keep an eye out. Thanks in advance to anyone who picks up a little piece of THC history and contributes to the Carlwood Family Moving Fund. Alright, and that said, in more ways than one, let's get this show on the road. Enjoy. Here we go, higher side chatters from sunny San Diego. I'm Greg Carlwood, and it looks like my world's on fire. How about yours? Because instead of a government that's working on a single thing to lift people up, they're preoccupied with manifesting every element and deepest desire of the technocratic control freak class. Converting companies to subscriptions and product rentals over any actual ownership, continuing to attack high-quality animal foods and offer you lab-made processed garbage. Silently suppressing critics, memory-holing journalists, and locking out academics over voicing the slightest resistance. Phasing out energetic optionality in your life in exchange for highly metered and controllable electric everything. 
foaming at the mouth over the prospect of another great war, throwing more of your income in the big piggy bank to be enthusiastically snatched up by the fistful like kids rushing a busted pinata to fund all these various nightmares, and a news media whose only stories seem to be about justifying all these objectives. But in times like these, it's important to get insight from anywhere that still offers it. And for me, that means going to those who read between the lines and see the deeper structures of our reality. And few do it like today's returning guest, astrological and spiritual consultant, Jeff Harmon. Jeff was first here about six months ago, and because I like to inquire about the energies and astrological signposts on the road ahead, at least somewhere near the start of a new year, for 2023, Jeff is our guy. He's been putting out a lot of great stuff on his YouTube channel and is still doing personal readings, relocation astrology, Vedic, planetary gemology, and casting charts for those interested at jeffharmon.com. And let's see what he sees. The esoteric energy reader, ancient knowledge extractor, and space weather meteorologist extraordinaire, Jeff, my man, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Greg. Yes, it is an honor, man. As I said in that intro there, I like to do an astrology of the coming year show as we turn a new page, but some of the ones I've talked to before seem like they wanted to keep their distance from me since the COVID years, and others whose work I really like in other areas seem like they had some pretty big misses in their previous forecasts, but I think you're right in the Goldilocks zone for us accurate and not afraid to get raw and bold with the truth. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you coming back. Let's start with a little reminder for people as to the systems you use and what they can offer us. Yeah, I mean, I, I use a lot, you know, again, I got into this in the mid 70s and I was a skeptic. You know, I, I really started out in a whole different world than astrology. And when I first got exposed to it, I thought, come on, did this stuff even work? Well, I think when it really became apparent to me that this truly is an ancient science, See, modern astrology really got off track from the 1700s forward. Uh, not that all of it doesn't have some value, but it's really love, light, and cluelessness, all this sun sign stuff. When you look at our founding fathers, particularly Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, and so, so many others, they were really in and aware of the esoteric energies that come on the world. And this stuff goes back to antiquity. And most of your astronomers that we heard about in the Middle Ages were really astrologers. In fact, that's what they call it, was astronomy. And that's what attracted me, because it's a geometric science. And when you get back into India and the Vedantic and the Tibetan stuff and Egyptian and Chaldean, this was truly astronomy. This isn't a bunch of sun sign stuff. This was looking at the heavens and extrapolating it to events on the earth. And, you know, kings and queens and generals, use this stuff throughout history and still do. The new one world order right now, I've been saying, you know, when we saw 9-11 come in, I'll never forget it. I was on the phone with a friend of mine, a Wall Street astrologer, and I said, we're going to see something happen here anytime. We had a Saturn-Pluto opposition. Sure enough, the next day, the towers came down like sparklers from jet fuel, and so did Building 7. And then the banks crashed in 2008-9, and everyone was saying to me for years, Chef, what do you think of the Mayan calendar in Nibiru? I said, not too much. Right. I said, I'm really seeing more 2020 is the one we want to watch it forward from. And look what's happened. <laughs> yeah, as you said then, uh, last time, 
the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction on the winter solstice of 2020, that pretty much opened the window for the COVID op and the ball just keeps rolling. That's right. And to put a finer point on the systems you use, I believe you've said ancient Nadi astrology is one of the main systems you lean on. I know you do some like casting of charts that is kind of a almost divinatory and a certain oh, type of- uh, No question about it, yeah. It's called interrogation in India. They call it prashna. Interrogation is the word I was looking for. Yeah, it's literally, that was probably one of the oldest types of astrology. Clearly, India, you know, the entire Egyptian, Chaldean, and medieval worlds use that. It's still used today. And it literally proves the universe as an interactive consciousness where you can ask a chart, anything from where's my cat to will I win this lawsuit? You know, so it's pretty wild stuff. And even in medical analysis, it's quite interesting. I can't practice medicine, but I tell you, I actually consulted and worked with a lot of different people, particularly even some surgeons and doctors who have said, you know, this is interesting stuff because we follow procedure all the time, but we find certain days it just doesn't go too good. And I'm going, well, yeah, look at the energy you went in on. And I'm getting a lot of feedback from different sources that they agree with it. So you know, there's more than just linear logic and procedure, not that linear logic and procedure isn't important because you have to use both common sense and look at this more for what it is, energy. Right, right. And even just the yearly Llewellyn astrological calendar that I pick up every year, it even has planting and fishing. It's like the whole system does have various cycles. I like the way you put it. The universe is an interactive consciousness. It does seem to be that succinct really, but the further you go back, it's so surprising that the more detailed and specific their concepts for really complex and unseen aspects of reality seem to be. They really were. But in terms of the modern world today, with so many things being thrown at us right now, balloons being shot out of the sky, demonic rituals, center stage at the Grammys, (laughs) crisis in Ukraine and all that, uh, what are some of the big things on your radar that you actually do see reflected in these celestial energies now and a few steps more down the road this year? Yeah, well, you know, I want to refine something. COVID came in really on the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, which was right in January of 2020. That confluence with the 240-year Saturn-Jupiter conjunction, which was at the end of 2020 on the winter solstice, because remember, COVID came in at the beginning of 220, and this other aspect, the very powerful Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, came in at the end of 2020, really ushered in a new era. And it's interesting, talking about the country, I've become quite enamored lately with the Constitution. In fact, I actually have a copy of it here, and I encourage everyone to get the Constitution of the United States. You know, a lot of religions have said, oh, the Masons are evil. Well, if you read the Constitution, you don't need an IQ above room temperature to come up with real quick that that was for the betterment of all humanity. And they can say what they want about the Masons. I'm not here defending anyone or the Masons, but I am saying that document is quite profound. And I don't think there's ever been another document that we know of in modern history, at least, that equals it. And it's really quite interesting because George Washington was actually fighting for the British in 1762. 
There was a lot of mystery around this. And that was another great fire conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. Now, if anybody's listening, they're all going to say, well, wait a minute, he's wrong. Jupiter and Saturn conjunct every 20 years. Well, you'd be right about that. They do conjunct approximately every 20 years. But we're not talking about that. If you go back to the flood of Noah, these were called the great conjunctions. And approximately every thousand years, it's not exact, it's close, because years don't equal planetary alignments in astronomy. There is what we call the great conjunctions. And that's believed, and I certainly have seen it in history, that great changes happen. Well, that's exactly what was happening when the Revolutionary War started and the Declaration of Independence was signed right around that time, not exactly, but very close. And a lot of people don't know this, but George Washington was fighting and every officer with him and many of the men were all killed. And he had bullet holes in his coat and his hat, and he had two horses shot out from underneath him, and he didn't have a bullet hole in him. Now, that's very mysterious because later an Indian chief ran into Washington many years later, about 15, 20 years later, and said, you know, we saw a great spirit above you, and we tried to shoot you, and we know we were putting bullets right into you, and you didn't go down. And there was all kinds of mysticism surrounding the founding fathers. People may have heard of Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine wrote the articles called Common Sense. He came over and he really awakened the colonists to the shafting that they were getting from the crown with all the taxes and everything. Well, fast forward to today, why am I telling everybody all this? Well, in a way, I'm not defending Elon Musk, but in a way, I really look at him as kind of a modern day Thomas Paine because he's been exposing the lies that we all knew were true. And now we actually have proof of it with the Twitter dumps and the coercion and the manipulation that's been going on. So in 2020, we had these two powerful, powerful energies, and that was the COVID ruse. And I'm not saying COVID wasn't real. What I am saying is they used it. These new one world orderers, they know when these energies happen. They're very aware of it. I had a teacher once that used to do astrology for one of the Rothschilds. And he told me, he said, they do not make major moves unless they know the timing is right. And I can tell you they knew the timing was right in 220. And then the winter solstice of 2020, which was right at the end, we know what happened. We saw the fiascos going on in the political scene with the elections and all the coercion and the tearing up of every executive order and then bringing in this whole new fascist regime that has been pretty much destroying the country. So we had on the winter solstice a new what they call mutation conjunction. That's a fancy word that just simply means a new era has started. And they knew this. And this is why we're seeing the smoke being blown up our rear ends about, you know, you got to get rid of your gas stove and, you know, everything is destroying the planet. When you look back through history, you know, the grand solar minimum people might be right. Yeah, I think we're actually heading into a colder phase right now with erratic weather, and it's largely due to the sun. But yet we see articles every day with some genius with a bunch of letters behind their names telling us that it's you causing it with the farting cows and the SUVs. And I really think they're utilizing this. When you analyze what's happening to this country, it's really kind of sad. I mean, 
they're not only flooding the borders with a lot of very questionable people and terrorists, they're also strategically funding and planting people all over this country in places of power that are causing major dissension and uprooting the structures of this country in more ways than we'll ever know. And then George Washington might have said it best. He says, if you want to really destroy a country, loot the treasury. And that's exactly what they're doing. And this fits the astrology, not only of the times, you know, because people say, well, yeah, but COVID's over now. See, we entered an area of fascism combined with high-tech, you could say, revolution coming in all into 20. So the effects of this could last decades. It may be indelible. It may last forever. So we're in a really new era. And the other thing is the United States birth chart. Most astrologers take the birth of the United States from the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And the date, obviously, is July 4th, 1776. Most astrologers use one time or another. I use something called the Sibley chart. It was recorded by a man named Ebenezer Sibley. That's why we call it the Sibley chart. He claimed that somewhere around 5, 10 p.m., the boys were dimping their quill pens into the ink wells and signing the declaration. That's what it commenced. So using that chart, I can tell you the United States right now is under the most powerful destructive energies it has ever been under. And that's called a Pluto return. Mm -hmm. Plus it has progressions in astrology. Your eyeballs cross, it's kind of complex, but it's all just geometric aspects. And there are what we call progressions and transits right now that are stuff I've never seen on this country. This country won't be here as we know it in two years by the end of 24, or it's going to be the phoenix rising out of the ashes. Hmm. And it fits reality. I mean, look what's happening. Right, right. I heard you on, quite frankly, with uh, my buddy Frank there talking about. January 17th, obviously we've passed that, but Saturn was going over the U.S. moon, if I remember correctly. And that's no, 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 that's, that's actually March 11th is when it happens in the sidereal zodiac. Oh, okay. Well, I don't remember I, what I, I was going on on January 17th, but it seemed like there was some kind of shift that signified an economic slowdown. And I was going to say that, yeah, it seems like the first month of the year has been about mass layoffs across tech, across banking and media companies. Sectors I don't mind seeing getting a little smaller, but it sucks for the individuals involved. But you did say, I guess, to broaden it out, that the U.S. moon signifies the populace. Well, what else do you see going on this year with the U.S. moon? A lot. Well, first off, there's... Oh, and by the way, you're right. I did say the 17th, and I'll tell you what that is. That's actually a positive aspect. In Nadi astrology, there's things called progressions. And we entered a 12-year progression of a little bit of a blessing that I don't think they're going to be able to completely take over as they were. And of course, we know the midterm elections. Anyone who doesn't think there's manipulation going on in these elections needs to maybe shine up their glasses, because I don't know that we've ever had an honest election for a long, long time. There's a lot of coercion and manipulation that goes on, even though I'll be called a conspiracy theorist for it. 
but the charts certainly showed that. So there was a positive, and that actually exists for 12 years over the United States. So we've got the next year, just focusing on 2020, I really hope I'm wrong about what I'm going to say, and that is we could see a lot more violence. For instance, we have Saturn commencing its transit over the moon of the United States. It's almost exact the first pass right on March 11th, and that also lines up very closely to the completion of the sidereal transit of Neptune squaring Mars. Now, people listening might go, okay, great. What does all that mean? Uh, that's what I'd say. And it's really a very, it's a very tricky energy. It's subterfuge. It's lying. It's deceit. It's all the stuff we've been seeing. And this has been going on really strongly for the last two years. Just to give you an idea, in the Civil War, right before it, the Civil War broke out in April of 1861, and it basically happened right before that. In other words, the Neptune Square Mars happened right before the Civil War. We've got that same energy again. Now, I don't think we're going to see a Civil War or anything like that, but I do think we're going to see a lot of planned unrest. Later in this year, we have what we call a primary-directed Mars conjuncting the moon. And people may say, well, what does that mean? Well, primary directions are each rotation of the Earth after a person's birth or the commencement of the forming of a country equals a year. So the United States is 246 years old and some odd months and, you know, July 4th. So it is now 246 and about a half degrees from its birthplace. And that puts the primary directed Mars going right over the top of the United States moon. So not only do we have Saturn, the planet of karma, transiting the moon, we also have Mars by primary direction. These have never happened before, not the primary direction. And I can tell you it'll never happen again for another 360 years. So what does it mean? Well, the moon in the United States, using this birth chart, is in the third house. That's daily routines and activities and transits. And I think we're going to see something that's very strong that affects our daily lives. We're already hearing what they're doing to the petrochemical industry. You know, I call it that because I don't believe it's fossil fuel. Right. Rockefeller got that changed hmm. back in the 1800s. But we're seeing, you know, again, fuel prices are exponentially causing every other cost to go up because you can't get anything anywhere without a truck or a train or a plane. So when they increase all these costs of petrochemical products, you're really choking off the country. And then you've got the Fed on the other end of the fulcrum, tightening up the availability of money. Now, granted, they're claiming they're doing that to you know, thwart inflation, but the quantitative easing might have been the better way to go. Not that I'm an economist telling anybody what to do, but it certainly seems like a cocktail here where you've got the politicians shoveling money into the furnace in foreign wars and looting the treasury to save the planet which is not a bad thing if it's really saving it. 
And then you've got this insanity where they're trying to turn off all the available and low-cost energy. Now, if you had the dilithium crystals from Star Trek or the free energy, then great, let's have it. But solar is not that reliable. And I know for a fact they had hydrogen. Hydrogen is used in military submarines all the time for an oxygen dissemination. I think it was back in the late 80s, early 90s, I, I rode in a truck that was powered by hydrogen. It's very easy to do. You simply apply a copper and an aluminum rod, and you will get oxygen off of one, you'll get hydrogen off the other. It's so flammable, you have to water it down or you'll burn up the motor. I know the military has been using, they call it cracked water, which is hydrogen. Mm -hmm. And they're running drones off of it. Mm -hmm. And why they don't make this available to the public. So, you know, not to sound conspiratorial, but somebody's urinating down our back and telling us it's raining. Because if you're going to choke off the economy without a replacement that's at least as good, if not better, and lower in cost, then you must be trying to destroy the economy. Yeah. And I think that's where we're going. We're seeing the new one world order doesn't want borders. They don't want this country, for sure. I think the one in the crosshairs the most is the United States because the Constitution stands directly in the way of fascism. Yeah. It's specifically designed for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, a lot of great stuff there. We could go many different directions, but I wanted to make sure... We had the time to fit in some talk about the makeup of reality as you see it, to put astrology in that context. On shows that have a visual component, I've seen you show this slide that looks like four different Kabbalistic trees of life stacked on top of each other in a hierarchy of four worlds, each being 49 dimensions with 49 subdimensions. Can you talk to us about that model, where it comes from, and why this seems to be the map that you gravitate towards as most accurate as a description of our reality? Well, you know, I'm not here to convince anybody that my viewpoints are the best or anything like that, but that's actually not my viewpoint. That actually comes out of a hierarchical text called the Share Hagilgum or Shar'ar Hagilgum, which is a Hebrew Aramaic text that is share or sharar means gate or gates and hagilgum is a strange word that just means cycling of the souls and you'll see the same general concepts in many other ancient texts not quite like that but similar the vedantic stuff is eerily parallel to the judeo-christian structures of creation and it says it in a different way so why I like that one is because, in fact, I would encourage people to go to my YouTube channel and you can see on there a really good video about the soul. And it really gets into, I think, a real basic principle of how this structure that you're referring to works. And no matter what your religion or spiritual belief is, we all believe in some higher power, God, right? Hopefully, unless you're a Satanist. And Beneath that, they say our soul is created in this upper, upper world called absolute. And absolute just means where the divine emanation of souls come from. And that's an Aramaic Hebrew word. 
And they claim there's 49 dimensions, 49 subdimensions in each one of these four worlds. And Briah, the worlds underneath that, is where the waters of creation in many worlds are believed to become more dense. And it's the Yetziratic world is really where the rubber hits the road. This is where, you know, physicists are looking at all the molecular creation of everything, the amino acids, the rotating galaxies, the whole concept of physical matter. And the Yetziratic world is where you could say astronomy and astrology start happening. And they claim there could be 49 parallel universes and 49 subdimensions in each one. I don't know about you, Greg, but that's way past my comprehension when you really sit and think about it. Yeah. And our Milky Way and our little solar system on the speck edge of all of it is really where the final worlds happen, and that's called the astral planes, which is the worlds of Asaya. But I think what's important about this, and again, there's 49 dimensions, 49 subdimensions there, and then there's Earth, where spirit is believed to manifest. And, you know, when we talk about all this stuff in the world where we see wars and the injustices, and we also see the beautiful things, creation and birth of all different living things, which is stunning, I'm still amazed that you can throw a seed on the shelf and 30 years from now or whenever, you can walk up, take it out and throw it in the ground, put some water on it and it'll grow. It's astonishing. I mean, you look at children and just all the magic of creation and life, it's stunning. And that's something that I think the lower world here on earth always tries to take us away from. And this text that I mentioned called the Shari HaGilgum breaks something down that I think is very, very fascinating. And that is the structure of the human psyche, the spirit, and the upper layers of the soul. And that has a lot to do with this whole matrix of the universes and the astrology. Because a lot of astrologers spend, I think, too much time on astrology and not enough on what is astrology and what isn't it. I always say, forget Trinity, Neo, and Morpheus, we might be looking at truly the matrix of the soul when you look at the heavens and the astrological energies that go on on this planet. And particularly the Vedic and the Nadi astrology, I think, shed lights on that in a way that's potentially much more healthy, because it's not saying you are your astrology. It's actually saying the opposite, that your astrology may be you. And now we see where the religions may have fallen short, and quite a bit short. Instead of us all being sinners and going to hell, there may be a lot more to life than they're letting us really know. And not that they're keeping it, but I think these doctrines were thrown out and politicized and all that over the millennia. And what's fascinating about where I'm going with all this is the world we're currently in. Because a lot of people have really become very disheartened with the world and the lies and the politics and all the stuff that went on with COVID, as well as if you go back through history, nothing's new, folks. It's, you know, they've been pulling this crap forever. 
it's just getting more sophisticated now. And we're now entering into this new high-tech world where artificial intelligence, genetic manipulation, manipulation of the mind is going to become much, much more prevalent than I think ever before. And the mechanistic society lends itself to us. Everyone's on the internet. Just the other day, went into Whole Foods and look, you can pay with your palm. Well, there's digital currency, see? Mm. So the future is hitting us like a freight train. And it really has started since 2020. And even though it just didn't happen then, I mean, come on, we've had computers and high-tech genetic manipulation going on for many, many years. Ever since World War II, we've been on a high-tech escalation that's quite stunning. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really becoming manifest now because the astrology opened the gate, so to speak. And AI, again, I'm not here promoting or demoting Elon Musk or anybody else, but he made a statement that I thought was very accurate. And that is AI is going to replace most of the human functionary jobs that require manual labor probably within the next 20 to 30 years. Yeah. And it may come sooner in some areas and later in others, but it's here. And artificial intelligence is a scary thing. Because if it's used for the betterment to serve humanity, it's a wonderful thing. If it's used to manipulate or control, which, you know, we've always seen our learned leaders try and do that. And long as it's kept in checks and balances and back to the Constitution, I'm actually stunned when you read the Constitution. It actually works even in today's high-tech society. Mm -hmm. You know, the principles. It does. It does. And... To go a little deeper on these four worlds, I've also heard you talk about the many legions of angels in each of these worlds. And I'm interested in that yep. because I've also heard you kind of say that these astrological energies or these energies that we call astrological, they could be considered angelic as well as planetary from a certain perspective. And I guess another thing you said last time was that these angels, these fallen angels that might be imprisoned. Mm. In the earth, which we hear all the time, imprisoned in the earth, usually that's uh, thought to be like the core of the earth or something, but you phrased it as if almost they could be imprisoned in the actual molecular structure of the physical world. And I think that's really interesting. Help us get a better concept of how these angels of the other worlds interact with us. Do they all have access to the physical plane or just some of them? What are your thoughts on that interaction? Oof, that's deep stuff. You know, I mean, the hierarchical structure seems to work correctly. They, you know, the upper worlds of absolute I mentioned before, again, watch that video on the soul. It gets into a little bit of this exceedingly vast topic. And what I loved about the Sharia Gilgam and some of the models that I'm using in that video is that it at least allows us to wrap our minds around something that's so abstract. When you talk about angels, you know, angels and many of the religions will use metaphorical stories to explain exceedingly detailed things that are cryptographic in the scriptures. We lost so much when you came out of the Aramaic and the Hebrew and the Coptic into the Vulgate translations, because you can't take those secret cryptographic 
codes that are embedded in the Psalms and in the scriptures and put it into Latin or English and maintain it quite the same way. I mean, you still can, but not the same way. I mean, it's stunning, the stuff that's in there. I mean, you take the Psalms, there are certain verses, you pass them through coded ciphers. It's called Tamira and Gamatria and Akbiker and all these different very complex codes. And you'll get names of angels. So we are clearly dealing with a matrix here. And when you look at the upper heavens and upper dimensions, these angels seem to be very specific and very, very powerful. And as we get down into the Yetzirah world, you get the co-mixture. See, many of your medieval and ancient societies, particularly Egypt, Chaldea, and India, or some of the ones that have their documents are intact to prove it, though I think it was fairly ubiquitous a long time ago. It sure seems to have been. Anyways, the point is, is that there appears to be a war in heaven that is spoke about in almost all your religions, particularly the East and the West, I'll say that, and that the spirits were cast down. Well, in that model that we were looking at, you're speaking about, Greg, you'll notice there's something referred to as the fourth hierarchy. The fourth hierarchy is not just the devil. You know, usually we get the guy with the suit tying a microphone telling us about the devil, but it's just a little bit more than that. You have those four, Lucifer, Satan, Belial, and Leviathan. Beneath that, you have eight, and beneath that, there is just a plethora of lesions. And this is what many people would term the angry spirits that are evil, and they sure seem to be. And this gets into a whole matrix of astrology, because really when we look at the zodiacs, you know, astronomers will say, well, wait a minute, they don't even line up with the constellations. I don't think they were ever meant to. And the sidereal Vedic astrology is a little closer, but even then it doesn't. So we clearly have something that's hidden that is of a spiritual, very dynamic nature. And it seems to involve the good and the evil spirits. And I think the evil spirits, I think what you mentioned before, they appear to be not just in the earth, though they some might be, but they appear to be forced to be participants right down to the very structures of not only molecular, but other things we can't measure, which is spirit. And you could say the etheric energy is one word to use of the soul and the fabric of mysterious forces that science is just now beginning to acknowledge even exist. A good friend of mine, Dr. Claude Swanson, who just passed away, I was hoping to have him on the show, but he wrote some interesting things where he's starting to come up with models where hard science can begin to at least consider this stuff. And the ancients, I think, were way past where modern science in its kind of slow, stodgy, analytical, you know, put everything in a box method is. Not that that isn't good, too. But yeah, the evil spirits really seem to be embedded here, and they may be forced by the, oh, I believe they are forced, by the, uh, they're held in abeyance. This is why we always see the wars and the good and the evil and all points in between. But what's fascinating is when you get into the really ancient rabbinical texts and some of the Egyptian and Vedantic, they all talk about how do we get out of the matrix of astrology. And that's the one I'm most interested in, because if we can all escape from Alcatraz, 
and rise above this word we hear a lot thrown around called karma. Isn't that interesting? Because karma can be good or ill, but many of the ancient societies said the game was to dissipate that lower. There's a series of texts called the Puranas, and it's one of many in the ancient Vedantic texts. And the Hebrew has them too, where it's basically speaking that we keep incarnating here until the elementals, they call them samskaras in India, bind the soul to the physical plane of reincarnation. Now, in plain English, there is some very fascinating stories about people who will die with hatred and anger, and they will come right back and replay that stuff out again. And there even seems to be celestial courts that are referred to specifically that have to do with reincarnation. You know, Rome threw the doctrines of reincarnation out the window somewhere between the second and the fifth century, maybe even the first. And it clearly was there in ancient Christianity. And it certainly is there in many other doctrines. And Nadi astrology, I think, proves it. You know, when we were doing a reading with you, remember we were talking about your dad and so many different things. You can totally see the kind of patterns that that soul has come in with. When I started studying Nadi astrology, it really helped me to understand some of the insane stuff that went on in my childhood. And you become, instead of so reactive, it's like being in the world, but not of it. You're of it, but not in it is another way to say that. And this is what I think all the religions have tried to do, but some have done it well, but many haven't. And that is, you know, you're all sinners and you're all going to hell. Whereas if we look at it more from we're engaged here in a dissipation of etheric energy that the East called karma. And, you know, of course, the West, it's all your sins, right? But you also may have attributes that are really good because the astrology literally is a matrix. You know, we look at planets as gravity and, you know, masses floating around the sun, right? And if you're a flat earther, it's still a celestial model. So the bottom line is the ancients said, no, there are angels, intelligences, spirits in each planet. And there's hierarchies. And, you know, if you focus your telescope, you're not going to see them. And that's the wrong channel. You can't see them. Just like you can't see the spirits and all the other mysterious forces that are going on. Mm -hmm. And I really believe when you look at Nadi astrology, you're looking at that matrix. And I'm actually stunned at how powerful these planetary switches are. They're literally multidimensional portals. So Earth in my opinion, is a very sacred, very special place that souls come to experience, purify, rectify, and create. And it seems to be that complex. Everything's going on here. Mm -hmm. I mean, look around us. <laughs> yeah, it's a busy place. And it does seem like the capstone cabal wants to keep us rooted in the physical because they control the physical to an extent. And that's why I think we've been taken into this materialist worldview and knowledge of these other worlds has been wiped away. When we think of astrology, we tend to think of 
the planet because we have this materialist mindset. But of course, you know, that's why the gods and the planets have the same names when you go back a little ways. And they kind of understood that these energies, maybe they aren't uh, anthropomorphized completely, but they have stories and personalities and many different aspects to them. And this is another thing. So I have been drifting more away from the idea that modern ufology is this sci-fi alien thing, when really it should be thought of as a relationship with forces or angels from a higher plane that has always kind of been occasional in life. And I didn't know this last time we talked, but you were actually contracted by MUFON to do some work into correlation between astrology and UFO experience to some degree, right? What do you think about the idea of uh, ufology kind of getting it wrong? It's not about sci-fi aliens. It's more about this eternal presence of energies from these more ethereal worlds. And it may be both. You know, it's interesting. The other groups that I, I've had a blessing to get involved with and do work for was remote viewing groups. And some of these guys are military, some are ex-military. It's very interesting stuff because you're in the same genre. They're trying to find energies or see into various different things. They call them targets. And what we found was the celestial influences really do have a profound effect, even on each individual. And yet, I also see that there's definitely extraterrestrial stuff going on. It always impressed me that there was a number of events that I, I got to study, like the Maelstrom Air Force Base and various different places, you know. And we were looking for, was there any possibility there was an astrological connection or an astronomical connection might be a more specific way to say it, between those events? And... There was. It's very interesting, especially on individuals who have said things like, I was abducted, I had missing time, etc. Travis Walton and so many other famous cases were really quite interesting. And we found the same thing in the remote viewing, that targets by certain teams or individuals working were much more accurate at certain positions of the heavens and fixed stars and lunar aspects. You know, when you look at the moon, look at the enigmas surrounding the moon. I mean, that thing is a very interesting. I know myself, I have taken very long lenses optically and looked with very high quality digital cameras. And there's stuff coming in and out of that moon that is pretty mysterious. And it ain't birds, I can tell you that. Yes. It's birds of a different kind, that's for sure. And the U.S. military has documented so much stuff. I mean, I was talking to one guy who's on a team with the Marines off the coast of Malibu out here in California, and, and well, you're, you're here too. So there's this huge cavern that they've been studying vessels coming in and out of there, and the speeds are almost immeasurable. So it's really, it's almost like they're warping time and space. And now we get into maybe what astrology is. Astrology might be multidimensional portals. And, you know, any astrologer, if you get around anybody doing astrology, the first thing you're going to hear out of their mouth, well, you've got a exalted this or a debilitated that. In other words, as planets move around the earth, they 
end up in different positions. It's almost like taking a stator in electricity. And if you move it around, it contacts different, you could say, circuits. It's very similar to that analogy, but I think much more complex. And every single geometric aspect, plus you have all these fixed stars that are documented in the ancient Egyptian and Greek and Vedantic. That's stunning. I mean, one of the things that struck me in Vedic astrology is, and particularly Nadi, and for anyone listening, that's not naughty, that's Nadi. It's N-A-A-D-I. It's very ancient. It may be some of the older stuff in India. And I love the concept because it's really looking at spirit manifest. Now think about that. Instead of you being a Pisces or an Aries, they're saying, well, when did your spirit manifest? And then they look at the astrology to see what's unfolding with the soul's path. Now that's a whole different way of looking at astrology. That's more putting the emphasis on you, your free will, and your individuality. And now we go back to the evil spirits and the good spirits and the angels and all points in between. This literally seems to be a matrix that plays out in an interactive consciousness with this free will of the soul. Because think about that. Every one of us has been ticked off by somebody. Now, what are you going to do? Get a gun and shoot them? Or are you going to take them to court? Or are you going to say, you know, that was a mistake. Please don't do it again. So we have free will to do any of those points and any point in between. You see, so astrology is not predicting the future. It's more showing maybe where the soul is at this point in time in our quote-unquote reality. And you were mentioning something before I really like, and that model that I talk about on my video on, on my YouTube channel about the soul, and that's certainly not conclusive, but it touches on the fact that when we're born, the angel ties the spirit, psyche, and soul to the body at first breath permanently. It's actually attached when we're conceived by silver cord. And then whatever our gestation period is, it's usually about nine months, we, we come out of mom's womb, right? And at that point in time, they say the angel attaches the spirit, psyche, and soul at first breath. Breath is synonymous with spirit. Try not taking one for a while. See how good you do. <laughs> so, you know, so breath is really sacred. And what's I think important about that is they say the angel not only think about when, you know, for any women out there who've had a child, that's a pretty dramatic experience, you know. And I can tell you, I've been to that barbecue and you know, you've got a child too, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, it's I was in the delivery room and I had always heard that legend that the soul is tied to the body at first breath. And I'll never forget it. My son had to go C-section and my wife, she's shaking Camille, right? So from the epidural. And I actually got to see them open her up. I was looking around the tent and I literally saw two lights join the second he cried and I didn't expect it. I did not see any wings or shapes. I just saw illuminations. That's all I could see. But, mm -hmm. oh my God, it was so profound. It was like literally the hair on my arms just went up. And I said, my God, the legend is true. <laughs> and you could just feel the light in the room. And anybody who's been in a delivery room has probably felt something like that because it's quite stunning. And this is why 
the astrology of the ancients was much more correct, particularly Nadi, in that it views it, I think, in a more correct light. It's where spirit becomes manifest. So the place and time you're born, the longitude, latitude, and the exact second really comes into play. Most birth charts or birth certificates don't record the time to the second. I always kind of rectify it. Right, right. But there's an angel that rules that. That is really stunning. And I find it so accurate to the individual's expression of their kind of inner drive, their inner aspirations. And some of them aren't too nice, and some of them are wonderful. And you get this kaleidoscope of reality, literally. Yeah, I tend to think of astrology as not something that is going to dictate your life, but it is your tendencies. And some people have a tendency towards anger that takes them years to get into check. Some people have other tendencies towards humor or whatever your coping mechanism is. Take your pick. You know, these are kind of the things that I would say uh, you have some free will, as, as you put it, within them. But they're kind of like the, the forces that push and pull on you. I've heard you say astrology doesn't predict the future. It shows the divine forces at play in the dense lower worlds of spiritual manifestation into the physical plane. And I like that. And just to get a little deeper into the the MUFON work you did, or even the remote viewing work you did, mm -hmm. when you find people who either have a high degree of high strangeness experience or have a knack for remote viewing, I mean, do you see similarities in the charts of people who have a bunch of this activity or people who consider themselves seers? Is there a quality we can look at in a chart and be like, oh, this is going to be one of those people? Absolutely. You bet it really shows up quite prevalently in a number of different ways. Yeah, they're called yogas and combinations, which are infinite. You know, I mean, once you get past the sun sign astrology, you know, I spend, when I do readings, I spend a lot of time preparing because I really take responsibility. That's a person's life. And, you know, I'm not God, I'm never going to be, but I want to be as accurate as I can to understand the incredibly complex energies that are imbued in that soul's time of birth, because it really is a reflection of us, in my opinion. And I find like people who've had paranormal phenomena will tend to have it more frequently during certain cycles of their life. Like Saturn is definitely a real timekeeper in a person's life. Just like we were mentioning earlier, Saturn is transiting over the United States moon. Well, that happens every 28 and a half years. It's referred to as sarisate. It's extremely powerful. See, if you look at the glyphs of the planets, every icon or glyph is a combination of the circle, the crescent, and the cross. Well, what is the circle? The sun. If you look at the stars in the heavens, they may be portals to the upper dimensions, hence why they're so bright. And many scientists are scratching their heads going, you know, Maybe it isn't a nuclear fission. Maybe it's plasma. Maybe it's electric. There's all kinds of theories floating around out there, and they seem to shift as time moves on. But I believe that they're portals to the upper light and the dimensions of the upper heavens. And the planets seem to be modulators of that. So the moon is the crucible. 
And you could look at it like this. Dad puts seed in mom's womb. Farmer puts the seed in the ground, that's the son, into the womb. And then spirit becomes manifest on the physical plane, which the cross is the four elements, also equals sunrise, noon, sunset, midnight. So Saturn is the cross over the crescent of the moon. And it seems to show previously concretized energies that now become manifest. Well, how could that happen if reincarnation wasn't a possibility? Yeah. What could be previous? Now, I'm not saying some souls don't come in here new. And there's yogas in the Nadi astrology that seem to indicate when we're getting closer to that conscious escape from Alcatraz kind of energy, they call it muksha in the ancient Vedantic stuff, where muksha is a term that means enlightenment. And there are other, I mean, just look at all the people you see. Some people are really advanced and kind and knowledgeable and wise. Some aren't. You know, some, you know, you see them on the road, they'll, they'll chase you down and shoot you. So we're dealing with every level of consciousness here. And the world, I really think, is a soul cauldron. It's almost like a grounding rod, and we're the capacitors storing our individual egoic senses of self. And that's really quite phenomenal when you think about it. And going back to AI, this is what I wanted to drive at before, and I failed to make the point. And that is the demonic spirits know full well that the lower conscious mind, in that video, I talk about something referred to as the nefesh. Now, they talk about this in other, they call it the kestra in Vedantic. So it's all just a fancy bunch of nomenclature. Once you get familiar with it, it's pretty simple. Our lower conscious minds are like silly putty. When we're born, they say, you know, we can't walk, we can't talk. If it wasn't for the parents, that little being wouldn't live. Same thing with the animals. Just like the seed in the ground, if it wasn't nurtured, if it gets trampled, it's done. So that's the most vulnerable phase. And they say our lower conscious mind is forming constantly throughout life. And, you know, obviously look at the changes we all go through from youth until where we're at now. So that's called the lower nefesh or the conscious mind. This is where mind control is very effective. You know, if you beat someone and tell them, don't do that or I'll hurt you, they will probably stop doing it, right? Even though it's not a very good thing to do. So it's the carrot and the stick. If you reward someone for doing something that they're supposed to do, well, then everybody's happy, right? You get pleasure and reward. So these carrot stick methods have been used throughout history to form the lower conscious mind. Look at, you know, you take military, the military in all these different civilizations back to the beginning of time. You know, if the Pope says, you go take every man, woman, and child, no prisoners, that's what they did. Because they weren't told to question orders, they were told to follow them. And we see these same things today. So there's nothing wrong with hierarchy and people having respect for structure. But when you look at the manipulation that can happen, that's where wisdom and the spirit and the soul come in, where you start seeing certain souls, they see past the lower programming. They start getting what is referred to as just simply wisdom. And this is a very interesting topic because now you start getting into the rosh, which is the spirit. 
and the lower portions of the soul, which the religions have always called like your conscience and all that stuff. But when you look at it from the standpoint, we begin to really maybe look at our beliefs with more objectivity. And that is where it all starts, because we see the manipulation that's going on even in modern society. And, you know, people's internet's being turned off or their accounts being stopped. So this is the coercive efforts that are nothing new. It's just new tools to do it with. You know, it was just like if you pissed off the king, he would send in a brigade and in Rome, they actually would not only kill you, they'd kill your family, and then they would salt the ground so nothing you owned would ever grow food anymore. I mean, oh. <laughs> this, yeah, I mean, Brutal. the Romans were. Do you know the Romans used to do a ritual outside of a city to chase the angel of the city away so that the people would not have as much resolve to fight? Yeah, I think you taught me that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty stunning. Wow. Yeah, they used to have so much more knowledge about this interplay between the various worlds, even if they had a basic concept of just a spirit world and ours. Even that is just so much more developed than our own. Little difference there. Yes. Well, it seems like the road ahead is going to be pretty bumpy, but hopefully people will uh, resist some of the stuff finally and wake up from the trance and it seems like we have some windows of opportunity to do that just as they have windows of opportunity to turn up the dial on us and uh unfortunately they have a little more knowledge of these cycles than the masses but hey that's what we're here to correct right that's what we're trying to do so <laughs> i appreciate the insights it's been a pleasure talking to you again you certainly know a lot about the spiritual energetic and political sides of things I guess we have a lot to watch out for, but I also appreciate the uh, reading you did for me. So if people wanted to get their own reading or follow up on the things you're doing, where should they go? Oh, yeah. Go to jeffharman.com. That's always the best at jeff at jeffharman.com. And then also check out the YouTube channel because there's a lot of cool stuff on there. And, you know, we got to realize I'm very humbled because I, I can tell you none of us will ever figure this out. And the more we start from there, and keep the ego out of it and just be observers, the, the better off we are because every one of us are going to exit the body. I call it taking the pipe. <laughs> We're all going to exit the body sooner or later. And, you know, really what's it all about, you know? And the only thing we take with us is the conscious awareness that we've amassed in this incarnation. And you see some people pass away, not in too high a conscious states. They're angry, they're bitter, they're hateful. You know, look at some of these people who die in violent situations and the stuff that they do. You tell me there isn't karma. I see it in the charts. It comes back. And then you see other people that are just the most precious souls on the planet. And everybody's marching to their own level of consciousness. We're all like little buoys floating in this ocean of conscious existence. And it's really an interesting, interesting little boat ride i'll say that <laughs> indeed we all got a role to play in the theater of life yeah you're gonna hit this progression remember i told you you got a progression coming up in just a couple of years yeah i was just looking at your chart just now <laughs> yeah. yep yep lots to consider and i remember the relocation breakdown and we talked about the pacific northwest and yeah. and texas and uh, you mentioned there are some good 
energy in central florida which i think is going to be the landing point so hopefully i can ride that wave i gotta tell you location astrology is just stunning it really is i include that in my personal readings and i've just it's absolutely uncanny how accurate it is and you have cycles that come through the transits and the progressions you know like you had that nasty pluto descending which you can wave bye bye now to that thing will never come back here again Ooh. unless you live to be another 240 years old so well i'm glad uh i'm glad the storm is over <laughs> but man awesome well food for thought from the land of fruits and nuts thanks again <laughs> i appreciate everything you do and take care all right my friend you bet thank you so much all right guys Woo, man I take an extended weekend off to go do this Gramerica event, and the big machine threw everything at us, didn't it? Clearly, at the meeting, they thought they better do an all-systems-go while THC is not available to cover it. <laughs> but yes, of course, I recorded this with Jeff just before I left for that trip, maybe six days ago, which almost sounds like an eternity now. But I like Jeff. He's got a good radio voice, and he's really knowledgeable about the things in his wheelhouse. I knew it had only been about six months since he was here the first time, but I thought if we focused on the star map forecast ahead, we would be keeping it pretty fresh. But I do think we got some of the same anecdotes and segues as last time. It happens. Nobody can be expected to remember what they said in every previous interview. But I kind of felt that happening, and so we switched gears to the Four Worlds stuff. And I like that a lot, too. I've definitely got a renewed interest in models for reality that outline a hierarchy of various layers of increasing density. Call it Schwab residue, maybe, but Jeff seems to operate from a similar perspective. This is kind of a strange personal story, but about a week ago, I was picking up some food and I was walking back to the higher side mobile with the big crazy wrap on it for people who know. And sometimes the wrap prompts people to start a conversation. So I'm strapping theory into the car seat and a guy says, hey, man, I like the car. You know, I've seen a UFO. And I say, oh, yeah, I do hear that quite a bit. And he says, but it wasn't a UFO, really. It was more like an angel, like a real biblical angel, like Ezekiel's wheel. And now I'm intrigued. I say, damn, I hear that more and more, too. What else can you tell me? And he says, well, it was like a bunch of spinning rings, and it had four wings. And I say, very cool. Did it interact with you or give you some psychedelic vision? And he says, yeah, actually. It told me it was fixing my fourth chakra. And it did. I had some stuff going on that it fixed, and then it took off into the sky, just <laughs> And that was about it. But probably my favorite interaction in a while, and something I can fit into the Four Worlds model a lot easier than something that came from a distant planet. But man, it is chaos out there in the world right now, isn't it? The giant disaster in Ohio is insane. I mean, this is the sort of thing that's going to happen when you don't let underpaid and overworked workers strike and you run everything on a skeleton crew and neglect to do proper inspections. That's probably why they don't want to cover it, because it would look really bad for the Democrats who blocked that strike legally. Didn't even know you could do that. And it seems like all our systems are just breaking down, but... 
This event also seems intentional. Like, why did the CDC update the page for vinyl chloride just a few days before the crash? Why did, like, three other trains carrying hazardous material also crash? Why is there a new Netflix movie called White Noise about a toxic train derailment in Ohio? Dicey, dicey. And there's a new train derailment of hazardous material in Detroit that I think happened today. And a five-acre plastic warehouse in Kissimmee, Florida on fire. And all the media cares about is a few unidentified objects that they say have been shot down, but they can't recover. <laughs> it is a wild fucking week. Crazy earthquake in Turkey, too where I also read that apparently many in-the-club officials had advanced warning to evacuate, so they say. I always throw these caveats out there because I just don't really trust anything. But Ohio is such important farmland, and the river there is tainted now, all the way down to Tennessee, they're saying. If we were under attack with unconventional warfare, would we even know? It does feel like some of this is a big enough deal that the objects, much like the balloon, could just be distraction stories. I'm still interested. It's possible for two things to be going on at once, but I'm really worried about the fallout from these industrial disasters more than I am the objects. Apparently, Senator John Kennedy got a briefing of some kind and then came out and said Americans better lock their doors tonight. Are you kidding me? The story for decades has been that we can't tell people about the strange stuff flying around in the sky because it might cause a panic. And then you say something ominous like that? Clearly they want us to be afraid. But that aside, the Mount Shasta event was a lot of fun. I got to hang out and light up with a lot of really cool people. We did a podcaster panel Q&A one night, which will go up to Plus members eventually. We did a little hiking, but the road we really wanted to go up was closed, and then our trek to Fairy Falls was impeded by some rushing water, and it was cold, and when you got close to 40 people, you can't really press on if everyone isn't willing to do so. But I still enjoyed a nice hike in the fresh air, and there was a lot of fun to be had at the cabin. We did some breath work, and I definitely got to a lightheaded, spacey place. Brandon Powell is a great coach. But it was a lot of hanging at the cabin. Again, transporting 40 people isn't the easiest thing. But I loved it. The cabin was really awesome. And cheers to all the guys I met out there. And I'm actually quite pressed for time because when I was in the mountains, we actually put an offer on a house in Florida and it was accepted. So I'm getting on a plane in just a couple of hours so I can be present for the inspection at least. And as long as nothing crazy comes out of that, we will be one step closer to the big move. Yes! <laughs> but with all this craziness going on, and me being already absent for almost a week, I wanted to scramble this thing together and get it out to you quickly so the gap didn't have to be larger than necessary. I'm trying here, you know? I also got the first round of outlines sent out. And thanks to everyone who picked up one, or two, or three, there's a new round of show outlines up there now, so if you're hoping for a specific one, take another look and keep your eyes peeled, because more will be going up every five days or so, whenever I can. But before we go, we gotta mention meetup events, and here are the next few. Today, actually, February 16th, it looks like the Los Angeles Truthers are getting together again at the Flame International Restaurant. 
tomorrow, February 17th, Sinspiracy Monthly 2 in Blue Ash, Ohio. Man, I hope you guys are all right, but it'd probably be nice to uh, talk about what's going on with other Ohioans. February 18th, we got one in London. Also February 18th, we got one in Harrisburg, Oregon. And February 26th, Asheville, North Carolina. Looks like a couple more got added, but that will fill out the calendar for the month of February. And there you have it. Fun show today. I thank Jeff for his time and his talent. If you liked the first hour, the second hour got into the soul cycle trap hypothesis, cymatics, frequency, vibration, and Tartarian architecture. Jeff's take on the most prolific healer of the last century. Strangeness on Jeff's grandmother's property, the demonic suppression of life, old world tech and etheric energy, the question of if there's some window in the stars that just might help end humanity's trance. We also talked about insights from the charts of the CCP and the Russian Empire, and Jeff talked to us about eclipses, omens, and the road ahead. So no shortage of stuff. Sign up for THC Plus and start getting the full show with a free seven-day trial to kick it off. Of course, if you want a personal reading, go to Jeff. He is very thorough, and I enjoyed mine quite a bit. Big thanks to you for listening. I'm getting out of here. Your move, astral energies, reality map readers, and angels of the four worlds. Your fucking move.